Pastor Saxton Odom here, so thankful that you have decided to join in to Wine on the Church of God's podcast today. We pray that this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. God bless you today is our prayer as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you want to grab your Bibles with me and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, that's where we're going to be at today. Verses 13 is where we're going to start at and go to 18. And uh, I'm excited about preaching the Word of the Lord today. There's always an excitement, but then there is uh, those words that God gives you that you feel in your bones. And you can ask my wife and my children, and if you follow me on Facebook, you know I've been feeling this one all week. I've been referencing it all week. And uh, today I'm excited to preach the Word of the Lord out of Matthew chapter 16, 13. Will you stand on your feet with me this morning as we read the Word of God? <coughs> Pray for me. I, wasn't, I haven't coughed in a week until we got up here. Amen. Sister Lynn and I were just talking about that. And uh, so the Lord can touch us and help us, and I know He can touch me and help me. Matthew 16 and 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Everybody say, shall not. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I want to focus today on Matthew 16, 18. I'm sure you've heard it preached by many wonderful men of God and many Sunday school lessons, but it says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, everybody say it together, shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Will you stretch your hand toward heaven and let's pray for God's Spirit and touch us this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are here in our lives. God, we feel you. We know you. You tell us in your word where two or three are gathered together in your name. There you are. Lord, we have way more than that here this morning that have come together in the name of Jesus Christ. You have gathered us together and we know that you are here among us today. So we honor you, King Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your love in our lives. We thank you for your spirit that we feel here in this place. Now, Lord, we ask you that you would loose the anointing, a fresh anointing, God, of the Holy Ghost and fire in this place and in this word, in this life today. Father God, in this life-giving message, Lord, that we would put hell on notice that they're never going to win against the people of God. And we'll give you thanksgiving for that and always say and do. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated today. I want to preach to you on the subject of hell won't win. Look at somebody and say, hell won't win. 
Whatever your situation may be today, hell's not going to win. Hallelujah. Whatever the situation and current circumstance of our world, hell won't win. Whatever the state of the church today, hell is not going to win. Can we give God an advance praise first thing out the gate this morning that hell won't win because of Jesus and His love in our lives. Hallelujah. The Scripture was taken in a place where in the time Jesus knew, He understood that He was close to the time of His death. You see, Jesus had a relationship with His heavenly Father. Although He was man, He was God, He was man on the earth. And He knew that to receive strength and provision, not only in a natural source, but a supernatural source, a spiritual one, He must spend time with the heavenly Father. And whenever you spend time with the heavenly Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father begins to divulge information in His plan and His will to you. And God had begun to divulge His will for Jesus. And Jesus knew and understood that He was close to His death. He understood that He was about to leave the disciples that He had trained for three and a half years. He understood that He was no longer going to do miracles in flesh on the earth from here on out. But rather, He was going to leave it in the hands of these 12 disciples. Now understand these 12 disciples were disciples who were not ready to go at this moment in time. In fact, some days later whenever Jesus was crucified, they all fled except for one and that was John the Beloved. These disciples were not ready to be handed this gospel. These disciples were not uh, were not raring to go in spirituality although their mouths proclaimed that they were and Jesus knew this so he was about to set the record straight before he left. He wanted to leave no question in the mind of his disciples about who he is and what his mission was, is, and is to come on the earth. And so Jesus gives them a shock factor. You know, the Lord is not the Lord of the comfortable. He's the Lord of the uncomfortable. And sometimes He will take us from our place of comfortability into a place of uncomfortability, a place that has shock to it. And that is what He did with the disciples. He took them to a place where Jews did not tread. It was a place known as Caesarea Philippi. You see, why Jews did not tread in the region of Caesarea Philippi was many, but predominantly was because they were. it was an area where they stood at the very gate of what they believed to be hell itself. This area, Caesarea Philippi, was said to be the birthplace in mythology of the Roman god Pan, the god of nature, fields, forests, mountain flocks, and shepherds. And not only was it the, the place of the birth of the Roman god Pan, but it was a sanctuary built at the mouth of the cave to Pan where people would come and make sacrifices. These were not just animal sacrifices, but these would also be human sacrifices. Sacrifices And the mountain where this was at was the Mount Hermon and a spring ran out of the mountain of Hermon that fed the Jordan River. And so whenever they would push people into the cave, into the gates of what they considered to be hell, they knew that God had accepted their sacrifice if blood began to run out of that brook into the river, but they knew that God had rejected their sacrifice if there was no blood. So this was not only the place of idolatry, 
idolatry and falsity, but it was the place of human sacrifice. It was a place that was not good in the eye of the Jewish community. But even further than that, pagans believed that the God of Hades, he invited fertility gods in the winter to come and to dwell there in the caves. And people would come to that cave, not to necessarily worship the God Pan, but to do detestable acts. They would do detestable things all in the name of becoming pregnant themselves with a baby, all in the name of these fertility gods. So you had a lot of false idolatry going on, a lot of detestable wickedness, a lot of evil that was taking place in Caesarea Philippi. But it was not just the place of idolatry, it was the place of political idolatry as well. Because the Bible, or the history tells us, excuse me, that Herod the Great built a magnificent temple of white marble at this area of Caesarea Philippi to the Godhead of Caesar, explaining that Caesar reigned supreme over the whole world. So this was not only the place of false idolatry, but it was the place of political idolatry. So we can understand why this was a significant choice for Jesus, why He chose this place. There were few areas with more religious history than Caesarea Philippi. Not only were these things true that I explained to you, but it was an area filled with temples of the ancient Assyrian who worshipped Baal, who worshipped the false god we find in the Old Testament of Baal and set up Asherah poles to him throughout their worship of Baal. In fact, there were 14 such counted temples in this precise area of Caesarea Philippi. Archaeologists have since discovered. And then last but not least, as I mentioned earlier, the mouth of the Jordan. Jordan River, the most important river in Judaism, begins here at this place. So this is an important place, not only for Jesus and the Jews, but it's an important place for all of society of that day, for the Romans, for the pagans, for those who were uh, committed to Caesar, for those who were committed to Herod, and for those who understood Baal worship, and not only that, but for God's people, the Jews as well. And it is with this backdrop in mind that Jesus leads the disciples to Caesarea Philippi, a place I'm sure they were scratching their heads wondering, why is He taking us here? Why are we going here? And Jesus takes an opportunity in in the backdrop of this mass idolatry, mass uh, paganism, mass understanding of all these things that they no doubt understood that was there or had been there in times past. Jesus takes an opportunity to explain to them a very important lesson. And so the Bible says that He leads them there and He asks them, Who do men say that I am? Understand that God did not build all of this falsity that existed behind them. Man had built it. And so Jesus leads them to the place of things that man has built. He leads them to the height at that time of man's success in the world, in religion, in political nature, and also in the God of worshiping self and Baal. He leads them here, and it's here that Christ asks the question and the disciples respond. I want us to understand, church, that the backdrop today is no different than it was then on that day that Jesus 
Jesus led the disciples there. We may not be in Caesarea Philippi this morning, but we are surrounded by false gods. Amen. False gods in America that reign supreme. We are surrounded by idolatry. We are surrounded by false religion. We are surrounded by the idols of man. In America, everywhere, the idol of man reigns supreme. The idol of ourself. We are affixed on every, almost every street corner somewhere by some symbol of religion. Thank God we live in the South. Amen. Not, not throwing shade on those who don't, but thank God we live in the South. And there's mainly churches on every corner. Churches that are there that you can understand were built for Jesus Christ. But all across America, there are not just churches. There are symbols of religion that have been erected everywhere. It is the same backdrop, although it is a different area. Not only do we talk about religion, but politics reign supreme in America. Do you understand that the average Christian listens to news about politics more than they read their Bible? Ooh, I stepped on a couple toes then. Politics is the God of America. Politics reigns supreme. The backdrop is the same, although the region is different. It's eerily similar to what we find here in Matthew chapter 16. But the only difference is standing affixed among all these other things that I'm talking about this morning is the cross. Hallelujah. The cross stands affixed now amidst the gods of false idolatry. The cross stands affixed now against the gods of political humanism. The cross stands affixed now between the gods of self and the gods of indulgence. The cross is affixed and there is proven the only one way, only one truth, only one life, not in falsity, not in politics, not in self, but in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a hand crap of praise today. And the question today rings true that he asked them in Matthew 16, who do men declare him to be? Who will we serve? Jesus took them to the place to tell them, listen, there are a lot of options that you have. You can serve the pagans. You can serve the Roman mythological gods. You can serve the gods of politics. You can serve the gods of self. You can even serve your Jewish man-made traditions. And then there's me. Hallelujah. So who will you choose? Who will you serve? And I hear the words of Joshua ringing clear today in same theme in Joshua 24 and 15. Joshua said, And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, everybody say, as for me, as for me, my declaration is 
that we, me and my house, will serve the Lord. My declaration is the same of that of Peter's. Hallelujah. And I pray yours is too today. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's hope not in the Roman mythological gods. There's not hope in any other religion. Hinduism doesn't have the answer. Zoroastrianism doesn't have the answer. Buddhism does not have the answer. The Mormons don't got it worked out. We've got the answer. The way, the truth, and the life that none other can come to the Father except by Him. And what's His name? His name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is our living and reigning King. That's my answer today. We will serve the Lord. Peter declares it boldly, you are the Christ. No doubt here in Peter's mind, no doubt here in Peter's proclamation, just determined zeal. My goodness that the church would get some determined zeal about them once again. You know what, we, we, our Sunday school lesson was on prayers for the church. You know what one of my prayers for the church globally is, and our church just as well, is that God would shake us from our sleep and our apathy and our complacency. He would shake us awake and we would have some determination and zeal for the gospel again. That the church would become determined and zealous for the Lord Jesus Christ in 2021. Jesus asked and Peter declared, no doubt in my mind, just proclaimed passion, just tenacity and assurance. You understand that the background held no sway or persuasion over Peter's declaration. And though the gods of this world will grow, and their influence may grow. And in the days to come, the spiritual atmosphere of our nation and our world may grow darker. It's not going to change my persuasion. Hallelujah. And because it will not change my persuasion, it won't change my declaration and my proclamation. I don't care how much politics grows in America. I don't care how much false religions grow in America. I don't care how much self is enthroned on the throne of the heart in America when it comes to Saxton Odom, me and my house, as far as I'm concerned, and the church I pastor, it will boldly be proclaimed and declared that Jesus is still the Lord and the King regardless of the backdrop of society and the backdrop of history, we will declare Jesus as King. It held no sway nor persuasion over Peter's words. And don't let it hold a sway or persuasion over yours. When someone asks you about the hope that is living on the inside of you, do not grow fumbly and jelly-backed and begin to backtrack and say, well, you know, I, I grew up learning that Jesus was the only way, the only truth, the only life. But now I, I've become more intellectual in my age. Or now I've become enlightened because I listen to this. And, and you know, now I understand that maybe it's not that strict. Friend, don't make that mistake. The temptation in our society is real to do so. And it would appease so many if you did. But don't. Because Jesus said on that day, the day of judgment, my Father will deny and I will deny those who have denied me. So if you deny Him as the only way, the truth, and the life, you'll be denied 
the way to eternal life. Don't deny Jesus today. <clears throat> Personally or publicly. There was no threat here this day in his mind because the presence and the power of Jesus was standing right in front of him. Understand that Peter had some experience with Jesus. Peter had watched Jesus turn water into wine. Peter had seen Jesus cast demons out of Mary Magdalene who was demonically possessed. Peter had seen Jesus come to a woman who had been married five times in Samaria at a well but also was living with a man who wasn't her husband now and instead of throwing condemnation to her, he extended grace. Peter had experienced so much of Jesus. Lepers heal, the blind see, the deaf are able to heal, the paralyzed being lifted down through a roof and not only having his sins forgiven, but the ability to walk once again. Peter had some experience, hallelujah. He knew the presence of Jesus. He understood the power of Jesus. And my question to you today is, do you have experience with Him? Have you experienced his hand of love working in your life but let's go further than that have you experienced his power of healing his power of deliverance his power of the spirit his power to set you free do you understand the presence of Jesus today Leonard Ravenhill who was a great great prophet in the 20th century wrote a book many books but one specific book on the way to revival in America through prayer. Wonderful book you should read. This is what he said. He said, a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. A man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. So let the atheists argue and let the agnostics argue and let the false God worshipers argue and let the political right and the political left, those who worship them, argue. But when it comes to you, there is no argument with your experience. Hallelujah. If you've been saved by the precious grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, if your blood bought if you're blood taught, if you're filled with the power and the passion of the Holy Ghost and fire, there is no argument to such an experience. Let everybody and anybody who wants to stand against us challenge us. But I come to tell the church at Winona, hell won't win. Hallelujah. They're never going to win because we've got experience with Jesus. We've got experience. Not only do we have experience, but we have a presence knowledge of who He is. We understand what happens when He's in our lives and He's in the room. And so after this declaration of Peter, Jesus says to Peter, Blessed are you, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Things that men build cannot reveal this to you, Peter. But my Father who is in heaven, is only the revealer of the true eternal way of life. And then he goes on to say, and I say that you are Peter. The Greek word there that he used is the word petros, which means small stone. Then he goes on to say, you are Peter, and I will, and on this rock, 
on this rock, the word there is different from the words he used with Peter. Petros, small stone, was the word that he used there with Peter. But when he says, and on this rock, the word is different. It means petro. It is petro and it means massive rock. In other words, Jesus was not just talking about Peter being a part of the rock, but he was saying, I am the rock. Hallelujah. Dwayne Johnson may think he's the rock, but he might not have met Jesus yet. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is the rock of age. Cliff for me. Let me hide myself in thee through the waters and the flood and the storming billows and tides that flow. I am safe and held secure, stable upon the rock of ages. Jesus is the rock. He's the petros. He is that massive foundation upon which everything that has ever been built will be built. He is the chief cornerstone. By Him, everything else falls into play. And everything else falls into alignment. Peter goes on to explain this understanding of being a small stone in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. He says, coming to Him as a living stone, rejected by men but chosen hallelujah by God and precious my goodness I could preach right there just for a minute how many are thankful that though man may reject you God selects you hallelujah oh my heavenly God though man may reject you God has selected you hallelujah it does not matter what granny says it doesn't matter what Franny says it does not matter what cousin Janny says I'm rhyming this morning y'all help me out a little bit all that matters is that God has selected you and on the day of judgment when I stand before that living God as a living stone a petros a small rock out of a big mountain it's not going to matter what anybody said about me but what he has said about me hallelujah he says I'm chosen he says I'm pure he says I'm beloved he says I am his give him a hand clap of praise in the church today if you're thankful you're precious to God chosen by God and precious get some brownie points with your pals right here look at them and say you're precious you're precious not only to me but to God you also verse 5 as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus was saying, Peter, you are a small piece of the puzzle, but you're still a piece. Hallelujah. You're a small chisel out of this big mountain of rock, but you're still a rock. And not only are you a rock, but everybody who will forever make this proclamation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, the foundation of the gospel, they're a rock also. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm a rock. I'm a rock. I might not star on movie television shows, but I'm still a rock. Hallelujah. I'm a rock because I'm a part of Jesus. I'm a part of the mountain of the gospel. This proclamation is the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what heaven rejoices over 
and hell fears for people to boldly declare you are the Christ the son of the living God in fact by the way the Bible tells us that every time such a proclamation is made that angels rejoice over one soul in heaven hallelujah I know y'all may be looking at me as my old time preacher used to say like a calf at a new gate this morning but I'm about to have a holy ghost fit why because I understand that when a soul gets saved that their name is transferred from the lake of fire to the Lamb's book of life and it's not just something that deserves a little golf clap or a little spiritual nod. It's something that reserve, that re- rejoices the angels in heaven the Bible says and it deserves our rejoicing as well. If you're saved and you know that you are, give God a hand clap of praise today. Not just a little golf clap but say thank you God that I'm saved and on my way to heaven thank you Jesus you've saved me God you bought me with your precious blood you didn't have to do it but you did you didn't have to go to Calvary's cross but you did you didn't have to say give me water because I thirst but you did you didn't have to look at the criminal and say this day you'll be with me in paradise but you did He did because He wanted us. Hallelujah. Heaven rejoices and hell fears. A person who knows who Jesus is. I think it was the Neelands that sang a song that said, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Y'all remember that song? Y'all sing it with me if you do. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story. He is the King of glory. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. How many are thankful you're glad you know who He is? He's more than a story to tell children at bedtime. He's more than a little tickle that makes you thankful and happy on a church pew on Sunday morning. He's the King of glory. Hallelujah. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He's more than what you think He is. Look at your neighbor and say, Hell won't win. After Peter makes that proclamation, Jesus says, you're a small stone out of a big rock. And I will build my church on this rock. This is not some cheap American interpretation that we have taken and monetized and politicized and funded to gain man's money. This is the truth of the gospel. I will build my church, not an edifice of wood, not an edifice of stone, not an edifice of brick, 
Because God truly does not desire to dwell in a building built by man's hands. He is so much bigger than that. He's much bigger than a steeple. He's much bigger than a denomination. He is much bigger than a disorderly or tumultuous assembly. He is talking about all the elect of God that have been saved and chosen. The general assembly of the saints whose names have been written in heaven's Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. That church is what he's referencing here. Understand that the responsibility of building the church belongs not to me as the pastor, not to the denomination not to the deacons, not to the Sunday school teacher. It is not our job, friends, to build the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Where we've messed up, Brother Stanley, is we've tried to take the position of Jesus and we said, well, this is my church. My family's been here for four generations. Well, thank God they've served faithfully in this church for four generations, but baby, this ain't your church. This ain't my church. This ain't none of our church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. And if you've got it twisted, you need to repent and get in this altar and say, God, change my perspective of how I view the church. Woo, I feel like preaching today. I didn't come to holler, but I'm hollering now. The responsibility of building the church belongs to Christ and to He alone. Why? Because He died for this church. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave Himself for it. He is the only one who climbed up on the cross and purchased this church with His blood. And so if you've got something to say about His church, take it to Him. Hallelujah. Can we give Him a hand clap of praise today? The Spirit of God said He's coming after a church that's built on this rock, the true church, not man's interpretation. Friends, it's not our job to build the church because we didn't die for the church. It's not our job to dictate how the church is run because you didn't die for the church. If you're willing to get up on a cross and live a sinless life, which you already have it, and die for the church, then you can dictate to the church. But until then, write a letter to Jesus, and Jesus is the master builder of the church, and He'll take your complaints. He'll take your rejoicing. He'll take anything and everything you have because this is His church. And I'll say it again and I'm done. If you don't think so, you need to get in this altar and get forgiveness. And let God change your mind. I'll build my church. And hell won't win. Say that with me. Hell won't, won't win. The gates of hell shall not prevail. What are gates that Jesus is talking about here? See, every time I've ever heard this kind of message preached, a lot of times I've heard this kind of message preached, uh, the preacher or the teacher is intending the idea that hell is coming against the church. But Jesus did not say hell won't prevail against the gates of the church. He said hell shall not prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail when the church comes against 
against it. Which means what? We are not on the defensive. We should be on the offensive. Hallelujah. You know what I hated in football? I enjoyed tackling the quarterback as the defensive end. But I love the opportunity to score points. I love the offensive side of the game. Defense keeps the other team from scoring. And for sure, defense is needed in spirituality. Paul wrote a whole chapter on it in Ephesians chapter 6. Arm yourselves in the armor of God. Arm yourselves with defense mechanisms. But we are not just called to defend ourselves, family. We are called to be on the offensive. Hallelujah. Understand that gates in that day and time was a symbol of defense, not offense. The protection of the city was determined by the strength and the power of its gates. So it is not the church who is on the defensive. It is on the church. It is the church who is on the offensive. We need not fear that the Hell has gates. We should rejoice because hell won't win. Hallelujah. And the gates of hell won't prevail against the church of the living God. Just like Joshua and the Israelites, when they got ready to overtake Jericho, the Bible says they marched around the gate seven times for seven days and blowed with a blow of praise, a trumpet sounding to their enemies that we're coming after you. And what I can to do today was to tell hell we're coming after you hell won't win in 2021 nor ever hallelujah give the Lord a hand clap of praise today see for much too long we've thought of ourselves as the weak victim under the power of hell but that's not how Jesus taught it Jesus said, hell is the weak victim under the power of heaven. We need not fear hell nor the powers or principalities thereof. Because Jesus has given us authority to plunder hell and to populate heaven. The church is meant to thrive in spite of. I said in spite of. The church is meant to thrive in spite of these powers of hell. God has called me and God has called you not just to go to church on Sunday, not just to rejoice in the fact that our name is counted in the Lamb's book of life, but to go to the gates of hell knock on them and then kick them over and go in and snatch souls out of hell fire and put them on the golden streets of glory that is our mission and it will never change hell won't win hell won't win will you stand on your feet with me then lastly Jesus said I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven when you walk in my authority. And so in the authority of Jesus today, I bind up in His mighty name any spirits that are oppressing the minds of men and women in this house I bind up the enemy's hands. I bind up the plans of the devil. And I loose in Jesus' name as the kingdom heir. 
with kingdom keys. I loose in Jesus' mighty name the kingdom of heaven in this building. Hallelujah. The kingdom of heaven in the lives of these people. I loose freedom in this church. I loose unity in this church. I loose strength in this church. I loose soul saving in this church. Hell won't win. This week we began VBS. And this is probably really where this whole message got its start at. A couple of weeks ago, y'all probably heard about it or saw it on Facebook or the news. Have y'all heard of the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir? And what happened? There's a gay choir. I don't know if you knew that or not. But the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir released a song. And the song, the lyrics thereof are pretty strange and twisted. These group of gay men begin to sing, You think we're sinful. You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're scared. You think we'll corrupt your children if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're right. The song continues, We will convert your children. It happens little by little. Quietly and subtly and you will hardly notice. You can keep them away from the disco. Warn them about San Francisco. Make them wear pleated pants. We don't care. We will convert your children. We will make them tolerant and fair. Just like you're worried they'll change their friend group. You won't approve of where they go at night. And you'll be disgusted when they start finding out things online that you kept out of their sight. If that wasn't bad enough, here it goes on further. We're coming for your children. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. Isn't that demonic? Isn't that driven by the powers of hell? And I told them to make sure they leave this on live stream today because I want everybody to know where I know the church of God. You may not stand with me, but I'm going to stand by myself if I have to. God gave me a strong backbone for a reason. Where Winona Church of God stands in regards to this matter is that hell won't win. Hallelujah. That the gay agenda will not win out over the church. That hell's demonically inspired plans will not win. We want to let the world and all of hell know this is our rebuttal. Don't even think about it. Hallelujah. Our children are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. We're covered in the blood. We plead the blood of Jesus over the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Don't even think about it, devil. Because we are actually coming for you. Not in hate, but in love. Homosexual, if you're watching this, if you're in the building today, we don't hate you. We love you. We love you enough to tell you the truth. If you're a server of a false religion, we don't hate you. We love you. If you serve the political gods of this age, we don't hate you. We love you. If you serve yourself, we don't hate you. We love you. And here's the truth. God says, I'm coming for your soul. And it'll change when I make it whole. Hallelujah. I'm coming for your children. 
and your children's children. And I will break the back of bondage, especially the homosexual antichrist spirit in America off of you. We are coming for you, hell, and we will win. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise that hell won't win. Hell won't win and heaven can't lose. Hallelujah. Heaven can't lose. We don't take threats and we don't even worry about the devil because we've got victory over the enemy. Hell won't win. I said hell won't win. I wish I could find a group of Christians that would wake up this morning and be happy about the fact that hell won't win. Not today, not ever. Here's the truth. The last bit I'll give you today. God has given you authority through His Son, Jesus Christ, to tread on serpents, to trample underfoot scorpions. And if anybody tries to poison you, you know what poison deals with? The mouth. So in our day and time, people don't try to poison us with drink. How do they try to poison us, Brother Stan? With their tongue. So if anybody poisoned you, I'm about to have, I'm telling you, I'm about to throw this microphone and take off running. If anybody poisons you on Facebook, if anybody poisons you in the gossip of another ear, I'm preaching to myself this morning. If anybody poisons you, it won't work. Hell won't win. Hallelujah. Jesus is supreme. And Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And let the devil and all his demons know we're going to win in Jesus' name. We've been given the authority. And if you align yourself with the courts of hell today, you'll have the choice of hell in the future. But if you'll get on the winning side and align yourself with the voice of heaven, eternity, freedom, love, grace, mercy is yours for the taking. Hallelujah. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you stream podcasts. To experience other sermons, watch us live, donate, and more, visit us on facebook.com forward slash CoG. Thank you for listening to the Winona Church of God podcast.